Welcome to the Oxygen Mass Podcast. If you are here as a parent or caregiver, educator or grandparent, we are glad to have you listening. This program is geared for the autism parent, but we welcome and invite all who are drawn to be here with us. I'm Tara and I'm your co-host along with my partner, Beth. The title of this podcast, The Oxygen Mask, is based on a metaphor. Just as you are instructed on an airplane to put on your own mask before helping others, we believe we need to practice helping ourselves as parents so we can best help our children. Hi, I'm Beth. At the beginning of each episode, we'll turn that metaphor, that symbol of an oxygen mask, into a concrete practice, pausing a few minutes each day to quiet our busy minds and breathe into our bellies provides a surge of stress-reducing neurochemicals. With practice over time, we actually build pathways in our brains that help reduce our stress response. So even if you hit play on this podcast about to enter multitasking mode, please take a moment of pause for yourself. Let's begin. Close your eyes softly and bring your attention to your feet as they contact the surface beneath them, rooting you to this moment. Roll your shoulders back. Let them settle in a strong, relaxed posture. Take a belly breath in through your nose. Feel the sensation of air in your nostrils, in the back of your throat. Exhale slowly. Notice your chest fall and your belly soften. Draw another deep breath into your belly. Envision the cool air swirling up across your forehead. Exhale, picturing the warm air going down the back of your neck and over your shoulders. Bring your attention to your face, your temples, your jaw. Take a final cleansing breath in. At the top of your in-breath, bend your elbows and softly place your hands on your hips. Exhale slowly, perhaps letting a smile curl the corners of your mouth. Hold this posture for a few seconds as you open your eyes. Again, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Okay, welcome to episode one of The Oxygen Mask. We're really excited to have you all here, and um, we wanted to just start by introducing ourselves a little bit so you get to know us. Um, This is Tara, and I am mom to three teenage boys. My oldest is 19 right now, 16 and 14. My youngest, Alex, was diagnosed with autism when he was mm, roughly uh, between two and a half and three and a half. Um, About the same time that he was born, I started a photography business. So I've been a children and family photographer for 14 years. And that journey led me to photograph um, children with autism which I eventually self-published a book called Faces of Autism that features my work of photography work and telling stories of uh, children with autism. And that also then led me to um, becoming a Minnesota Lend Fellow, and I've been doing that this past year at the University of Minnesota, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But it stands for um, Leadership Education and Neurodevelopmental Disabilities, and it's been a really interesting journey. And that's actually how I got to know Beth, and uh, I'll let Beth introduce herself. I'm so glad that you're the one that said the words that LEN stands for. Thank you for that. (laughs) It's tricky. (laughs) I'm Beth. Um, I am a parent of two kids, uh, one of whom is on the spectrum and is age nine, and the other is six. Um, And I was uh, in grad school when I had my eldest, 
and was finishing up my program as we were coming to learn that he had autism. And um, I took my graduate school skills of research to apply that to autism and ended up sort of burning myself out early on in our in our journey. Um, but my work um, in research was around community and youth engagement as well as culture and race. And I did some consulting around that after graduating. Uh, and then last year got a LEND fellowship um, as Tara has, and that's how we got connected and started this initiative. And um, at the end of my LEND fellowship, I've been involved with the Communities Engaging Autism, a small nonprofit for years, and I applied for their executive director position last year and have now been doing that work, um, which has been really fulfilling. Yeah, so the Lend Fellowship has definitely brought us together, and it, and it came to be that um, part of the fellowship program is that we each needed to complete a capstone project that's related to our field of interest. And I was kind of going back and forth with, what am I going to do? I really want to do something in the realm of helping families. Um, and Beth and I had met for uh, lunch and, and mm -hmm. conversation a couple of times and sort of batting around some different ideas. And as we were having one of those conversations, which we were doing remotely by video chat, just so you know, because it's not like we have lots of time to do <laughs> lunches every day, but we kind of make things work around our schedules. And we were talking by uh, video chat. And I just kind of said, you know what, I think people would like to hear what we're talking about, because the topics we were discussing aren't um, unique just to the two of us. And we know a lot of families that have uh, gone through similar situations and might have appreciate some of the insight that we have. So I said, I think this needs to be a podcast. Yeah. And that's kind of how we got started. So some of our goals for just this first episode, uh, we really want to set the tone. This is a strengths-based orientation that we bring, um, but it's really grounded in real experiences and ongoing struggles and celebrations. Yeah, and then we just want you to get to know us, which is kind of why we're just chatting about who we are, which we won't be quite so self-centered in future episodes. <laughs> but um, yeah, and we'll, we'll give you a little bit of what we hope for this series and kind of what it's not going to be. Um, but backing up, getting to know us a little bit better, I thought maybe we could just talk about what our role has or our journey has been on, on the autism journey for each of us. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I mentioned my son Alex was diagnosed when he was about two and a half, three. We kind of noticed that he was communicating, but not very effectively. Um, he had words. He'd lose them. He repeated a lot. He wasn't really interested in playing with his older brothers. So there was kind of something, you know, not quite right uh, about his development, even though it wasn't quite alarmingly off either. So um, it was very confusing. And he had a lot of tantrums too. So that was definitely a challenge and um, hard to recognize that that was not typical uh, toddler behavior. It was it was extreme tantrums. So we started with um, a school evaluation that wasn't quite on the mark for us when he was like three. Um, and we decided to tackle some of his speech and communication issues first. And it went down that path, um, and it worked really well, but then we realized he still had quite a few behaviors, and it was then that we're like, yeah, this is definitely autism, and we need a little bit more assistance. He ended up attending um, an intensive early intervention um, center for the first two years of his he, – he attended there through kindergarten year, so we, we opted to keep him there through kindergarten. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where mm -hmm. we started. Yeah, for us um – 
I remember it began, my mother-in-law asked me a question. She was trying to get Lucas's attention. She said, does he hear me? And that was, um, now it's just in my head as a key marker. And I do remember like calling to him and with as he was walking with another little, I mean, toddling, he must have been about 15 months old with another toddler. And the other toddler came back, turned on her heel and came right back. And he just kind of looked at me with curiosity and interest. And to me, that was just, and I just kept feeling like, oh, it's, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not being firm enough. And, yes. But it was that attention shifting piece. And we even got his hearing checked. I hear that now from mm-hmm. other parents as that being kind of part of the evaluation, sort of what's going on here, um, period. So, um, yeah, it was around safety and attention. Can he hear us? Those questions that... Um, Began And then it was in an ECFE class that we were doing that I just really noticed um, he wasn't shifting with the rest of the kids um, and wasn't quite as as communicative as kids were verbalizing in the last few months of the class. And um, so I did request an evaluation, which started um, in-home pre-K or um, early childhood special ed services and preschool. And so we felt really well supported in the education early on. Um, and we didn't get a diagnosis until much later. Um, we already knew that ASD was at play and felt quite supported, but needed by early elementary just more information about the ins and outs of his brain wiring. So Yeah, we had a similar situation, too, with the early childhood. We were in ECFE class, too, and mm-hmm. which I loved, and they were such um, instrumental part of my own parenting journey. But that was when the word autism was first brought up to me, and that was from um, his early childhood teacher kind of called me at home and said, hey, yeah. we think maybe there's uh, some autism uh, going on here for him. And I was in complete denial. Mm-hmm. I was like, nope, that's not it. He's just quirky. He's how dare you kind of stuff. Um, and it was, it, you know, in my heart, I knew I knew there was something there. And she was right. It's just I didn't take it very well because I wasn't in a place to take it. You know, yeah. I wasn't ready. I was in denial. And so there was kind of some ugly crying going on there for a bit. Um, and then, you know, I regrouped and, and, and did kind of what a lot of parents do. You dig into all of the sea of online information Mm -hmm. and got quickly overwhelmed, which is why we decided to just take it one step at a time and started with speech. Um, So I think there's some of that. It's not that we didn't want to get him help. It was what's the right help. And and there's this whole path of denial and, and, you know, am I doing something wrong and all that kind of stuff. Mm So, you know, just know it's not easy. It's messy. <laughs> I just think it's, it is. It's such a slow process. And even looking back now, it seems so much more clear. To, but I remember when the early childhood people said that the, could the autism specialist come to our next home visit? I just wanted to, I mean, I, of course, the Minnesota nice in me said, yeah, that's fine. You know, um, but I just uh, felt so frustrated and confused. And, and then eventually really over several months, realized it was taking a lot of work to explain away what we were seeing as anything else. Like it was actually taking a lot of my energies to say, well, it could be, and what if it's just the sensory aspect or what? Yes. Um, it's just amazing the the things we, um, the ways we process hard information. It's really for sure not linear at all. <laughs> no, it is. And, you know, it is kind of messy and, and you kind of have to honor that a little bit. Um, 
you know, yeah, definitely in hindsight, had I been like, okay, it's autism, let's get going with it because it's not going to be that big a deal. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it felt really daunting because we were in a place where his tantrums were really not manageable. It was really difficult to leave the house. And for somebody to tell me he was going to have a lifelong, you know, disability was Mm -hmm. crushing. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, we can't we can't be doing this. So I think um, it's not what I thought it was going to be. So that's really reassuring. Well, where are you guys now? Yeah, so Alex is 14. Um, We actually have his uh, high school transition meeting coming up, so he'll be in high school next year. He's doing remarkably well, um, given the path that he's taken. Elementary years were not easy. They were kind of bumpy for a while. Um, And then whatever reason, maturity, growth, um, working through and giving him tools to to self-regulate and and to thrive. He's done really, really well. He's been in um, Boy Scouts. He's been on the high school swim team. He's been on student council. He's uh, been on the A honor roll. I mean, he just keeps surprising me left and right at the things that he accomplishes. So yeah, you know, high school is going to be a little, um, I'm I'm nervous, but he's not. And so I'm just going to let him guide us and and see where it takes us. So yeah, I'm it, we're in a good place right now, but it's not without challenges for yeah. sure. So mm, cool. Sounds like he's willing to dive into new things and try things out. Yeah, he yeah. surprises me. Yeah, cool. for sure. So for us, um, we my son's in third grade now, and we did one school switch um, between kindergarten and first grade. And now um, I just recently took him out of his uh, third grade class. He was just really struggling with impulsivity and anxiety. We've just had so many kind of layers of, of struggle, and I felt like he really needed to decompress. So that was a pretty radical move for us, and it's still... Um, kind of like the the sand settling in the yeah. So you're homeschooling now. Yeah, we're a, we're a homeschooling, and honestly, I mean, it's only been about a month, but I'm really, I love the kid that I'm seeing right now. Um, he was just so full of kind of struggle and angst and resentment um, with where where he was, and now at home we're kind of doing a lot of science and project based stuff, and he really just loves to read. He needs like three long periods of reading time during the day. And that's awesome. So it's been quite an experience. I can't really believe um, how well it's going so far and check that's in wonderful. with me in a few months. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I always admire parents who um, decide to do the homeschooling route. I don't think I could, but like you said, you do whatever needs to be done yeah. and what's best for your child. And I'm so glad that it's uh, working for you. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what we hope for this series, because we want to kind of bring it back around to, um, you know, you, the listener, and what you can get out of this or what we hope you'll be able to get out of this. Um, I think now that you've kind of gotten to know Beth and I a little bit here, we kind of approach things in a, a similar way, and we're very mindful about our parenting and we want to bring those mindfulness practices uh, along with this. And you heard that at the beginning in the intro with Beth doing a, a wonderful um, little breathing exercise so that we all kind of take a breath together. Um, so that's kind of one of our key components of the series is to mindfulness practices. And attitudes. I feel like those um, letting go of th- things and how you spend your energy mentally and emotionally matters, too. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I hear that over and over again. A lot of the parents that I talked to when I did the book, that was very similar um, words of wisdom that they wanted to pass on to other parents that were coming along behind them on the autism road was, you know, it's not a sprint. So don't don't exhaust yourself. It's a marathon. So, yeah, with the marathon and the sprint topic, I feel like I heard that, but I didn't hear it. I still sprinted my butt off early on, I have to say, and I crashed and burned. And right? I just, yes, it's just a tendency and a, uh, yeah, learning always. It's part of that trying to be the best parent that we can be. And sometimes right. that's not always, we're, being the best parent you can be means taking a pause and, mm-hmm. and, you know, not spending all your energy on all the things all the time right away. Right. So being the best parent you can be for the long game. Like (laughs) this is a lifelong um, walk. So uh, the other thing with what we hope for the podcast is really um, modeling and speaking in ways and helping others see our children as whole complex human beings, Um, how to not dwell in the deficits and find and feed our kids strengths and our own too. I think I talked to some families where the evaluation or diagnosis process is really hard. Those are necessary measures and uh, information gathered to get kids access to services. And then I say, take it, fold it up in your pocket and use it as your access pass as you navigate systems that need that terminology and those indicators to understand and provide supports. Um, But you don't need to orient yourself in the way of the language of deficits. So right, absolutely, and I think that's one of the things, um, at least for me personally, to when I talk to parents, is to always remind them that they're you're your child's best advocate. But that doesn't mean that you need to dwell on the deficits. You you can be the best advocate by um, focusing on your child's strengths and always mm-hmm. presenting that front and center in any sort of meeting or evaluation. Um, one of the things that I learned in creating the book was I, I asked all the parents, "What lights your child up?" and as special needs parents, we don't often get asked that question. Right. Yeah. And to be asked that question, independent of any other sort of question about what is your child not capable of, mm-hmm. was so liberating. And everybody just kind of kept pouring forth information and like, oh, he loves this, and he, you know, smiles at this, and and I, it's so important to be asked that and to, to be able to talk about your child in a positive manner. So mm-hmm. we want to give you opportunities to do that. And it can also take like amping up your vocabulary, right? I think I felt like I needed to know all the terminology and all the, but also practicing and modeling and speaking out um, the strengths and positive aspects of your child. Yeah, it's really important. Uh, We also want to empower you to think that I've got this. So thinking about what are your strengths as a parent? um, What are your family members' strengths? Each and every person in the family contributes a unique strength and contribution to the family. Noticing and affirming your own and your family's anchors, values, kind of ways of being and not, it's going to look different from other families, of course, um, but just really uh, rooting down in that, um, those connection points that you all share. And also, I think it's really important to be aware of our personal patterns under stress. Like, where do we go? I know for me, I go to hyperactive, like, conquer it mode. And that is actually really bad for connecting to my family members. I just leave them in the dust when I'm under stress. Yeah. And I probably tend to hole up and, you know, process and get really quiet Mm. or deny things. So, you know, good example of 
I, we were in denial about his diagnosis. Oh, it's not this. It doesn't mm. look like autism because this and that and the other thing. So, but that was me. It was my personal experience, not what was true and not what was mm-hmm. accurate. So being aware of that pattern is really important. We also want to help you feel kind of rooted and grounded in the pieces of who you are and who your family members are um, so that you can grow and connect outward and find the supports that you need. Um, We really want to encourage you to find other families and parents who are on this journey to walk alongside you. Um, We really want to bust isolation, which is really connected to stress, and it's so common in autism families. Right, which is one of the reasons I suggested we do a podcast because it's a little bit a way to connect with with families that um, we're all so busy, you mm-hmm. know, we don't have a lot of time to have get togethers or it's really hard to find childcare or, you know, it's hard to go out in public sometimes when your child's going through a phase of challenging behaviors. Um, so finding alternate ways to connect with people is really important. Right. And around not just strategies and problem solving, but around really personal development and and holistic sort of family stuff. So, yeah. So what this podcast is not. Tara, do you want to talk about that? So we've talked a little bit because there's a lot of ways to go about things. There's a lot of resources, a lot of information, a lot of books out there. And this is we want this to be a little different than what's out there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of well-worn paths that you know, parents trod every day. Um, And there's just some paths that we're not going to go down that road. Um, We're not here to tell you or recommend what sort of therapies or theories, or we're not going to dwell on causes. We're not going to, um, we're just not going to recommend that because it's so individual for each family that we want to empower you Uh, to figure it out what's best for you and your family. So we're not going to say you must do it this way because that's Mm -hmm. not going to work. And I think if you're in a well place, you're able to take in the information and find the trusted professionals to work with. Right. Yeah, we definitely want to empower you to trust your own gut um, and not listen to what somebody's telling you to do. There is no step-by-step guide. If there Mm -hmm. were, uh, we'd all have bought that book by now. (laughs) So, yeah, no step-by-step guides necessarily, um, and no, also kind of no sugarcoating. I think we want to have frank and respectful conversations. We need to be real about where we're at um, because I think, I know for me, I really pick up on, like, fake positive pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and I can, when I'm struggling, I can get pretty darn skeptical. Like, right. oh, no, don't even tell me that, you know. Yeah, so. I mean, at heart, we're both autism moms, right? So we're pretty mm-hmm. frank about about things. But we're also very uh, respectful of um, our children and, you know, those that have autism. And, and you can have frank conversations without um, getting into a woe is me sort of uh, mentality. Yeah, we need to get out of that pattern because I think when you think autism parent, that is the narrative. And I think we need to to walk a different way. Absolutely. Um, so that connects to the other what this podcast is not. We're not going to be having a fix-it mentality with our kids and with um, even other stressors in our lives. Just we love neurodiversity. We are all about building identity and acceptance. Um, I think that we can raise up an amazing generation of young people and young adults. There are already amazing advocates out there that we will be sharing a lot of material and information and 
resources that come from people on the spectrum themselves, and that is priceless. Yeah, I love to quote um, Dr. Temple Grandin, and we need all kinds of minds. We mm-hmm. need them. We need them in the world. So, so that's where we're, um, what we're hoping for, and where we're not going to be walking. And yeah, I'm so excited. I know we're very excited to be creating this whole series. And if you have ideas and feedback, we'd love to hear it. Um, we're really glad that you've taken a little time out of your day to breathe and take a breath with us and put on your own oxygen mask to uh, help your family. We invite you to sit with or walk, kid chase, drive, or snuggle up with today's conversation in the back of your mind. Did you find kernels of joy or reassurance? Where did you feel some resistance? Let us know so we can learn and grow together. You can comment and subscribe to the podcast at www.cea4, that's the number four, autism.org. This is Communities Engaging Autism's website. Share the podcast with members of your village to strengthen those essential connections. And above all, please secure your own oxygen mask before helping others.